Hey, this is Andrew Raggedyman Warren Davis. It's Friday the 10th of April. It's about eight o'clock and we're currently somewhere on the A14 heading towards Nottingham as we're on our way to Ami Chibi 2015. Ami Chibi is a smaller version of the Amicon events that have been running since 2004 and describes itself as a convention dedicated to Japanese anime and manga run by fans for the fans. Ami Chibi also claims to have all you would expect from Amicon, but the smaller size means a cozier venue with less of that pesky walking around. And I'm going along and see what's happening there. So we're finally here after Nottingham's best attempt to shut off all the roads available. And so far it's pretty cool. We got um, a fair amount of gaming going on. Uh, we've got some decent panels. Unfortunately, we missed most of them due to Nottingham's urge to shut every road ever. I'm now at the Sheffield Space Center stall with... Rick. And what does Rick do? I sell things. What things do you sell? Rick? I sell manga and anime and DVDs and CDs and mugs and posters and scrolls and, well, general fandom stuff and things, really. Uh, our website is www.sheffieldspacecenter.co.uk well, but it's broken at the moment, we're fixing it with a new one. No, it is properly, properly kaput. We, so, are, we are fixing it, it's so badly broken we're fixing it with a new one. In this modern age of Amazon and internet downloads, why have you shifted a hundred weight of printed tr dead tree to this location? Because people like dead trees, it enables them to connect with their environment to hold on to that sort of like precious nature of the fact right that at some point they're all going to be gone and the only thing they're going to have is these dead trees. So you're saying people buy comics because it reminds them of the inevitability of death? You could look at it like that. <laughs> uh, personally I think it's also not just the fact that these trees are dead but also the pretty pictures that are actually printed onto these sure. pages of these dead trees. I have they're, heard they're, 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 quite, they're quite nice those as well you see. Exactly. Yeah. How much trade have you done at this event, roughly well, speaking? I, I think it's been all right. You know, it's uh, it's a nice little nice little convention, and we quite like nice little conventions. You know, people are a bit more directly enthusiastic compared to say some of the larger ones where you get just like a lot of general people mm. just turning up. Whereas at a dedicated sort of fan run convention, right. you get dedicated fans, so they know exactly what they're looking for, they know what they like, what they're interested in, you know, whatever it is, whether it's regular manga or whether it's horror or yaoi or yuri or whatever. So what are people know. buying these days? Pretty much all sorts, like I say, you know, I mean, every fan's different, really. You know, you'll find that there are themes where they do buy more of one thing than the other. Attack on Titan is still popular, Sword Art Online's okay, you know. I thought, uh, uh, but Attack we still on Titan, I thought it finished its run, it was now a complete series. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, the people still like it and some people are behind on stuff. We have actually been selling early volumes of Black Butler because people haven't actually cottoned onto it already or every all the friends have been reading it and telling them how good it is and they've left it alone until it's died down a bit and calmed down a bit and then they've gone back to it and said right now I'll start on it so you know that's that's pretty cool there's a bit of a it's a broad range of stuff that's uh, that's popular yeah everything seems to sell steadily which is An okay anything stopped selling in the last couple of years or is uh, it just still all ticking along nicely most of it's ticking along nicely I mean most of the stuff that stops selling are things like yeah Tokyo Pop <laughs> that stopped selling because nobody's got any more. I don't know what they did there with them. Rest Ooh. its merry soul. Well, yeah. They had a fair crack. They didn't do bad, you know, but I think that sometimes their business plan was more to do with the enthusiasm of getting into more shops than being aware of exactly how much they were selling. 
and that I think was the that original that was the, English language yeah, manga stuff. That's right, and I think that that was key to possibly why they weren't able to carry on and continue in the way that they, you know, in that sort of fashion, and end up folding. It's a shame, really. They did some nice stuff. So, what stuff would the cool kids be looking out for this season? Well, I mean, there's a few popular bits. I mean, things like No Game, No Life, that's quite good. There's also Assassination Classroom, that's pretty hot at the moment. Uh, sort of online, like I say, it's still going on, there's still more stuff. Uh, Log Horizon's been popular this weekend, we've, uh, we've sold a few of those. I mean, usually, people come up to our tables and just stand five minutes aghast at the amount of stuff we actually bring and then sort of like realise that they can actually buy it as well. <laughs> and then we, 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 we sell it to them, hopefully. I was one of the people who helped organise the first anime con dedicated anime convention in the country, which was Anime Day back in 1991. We probably, we, for, for anime conventions, that's when we started. We, we, yeah, I worked at the shop then uh, and we took stuff, but it wasn't just like uh, an excuse for us to take stuff and sell stuff at the shop, because we were all anime fans as well, and there were loads of people that were interested in it. Uh, that's why we did the first convention then, and it's yeah, it was 20 odd years later, we're still doing conventions for anime. It's so, great. So, in all those years, what are the big changes you've seen on the convention scene? Big changes have been, I think, um, they've got more, um, more, more enthusiasm, more people actually. I mean, when we did the first one, uh, there was like 130 odd people turned up to it. <laughs> I mean, in this one, this weekend, there's 500, which again, yeah, is now considered a smallish. To medium-sized convention, we were at a convention last weekend. There was like 5,000 people at it, and that was the Yorkshire Cosplay Con up in uh, up in Rotherham, of all places. Uh, and that was that went down really well. But that was like a dedicated cosplayers convention. So I'd say possibly cosplaying is one of the things that seems to have um, become much larger now than than a lot of other stuff that happens at a convention. Everybody likes to dress up. Everybody likes to. Come across and being like showing off the, like their favourite characters, all sorts of stuff like that. I think that's quite cool. You seem to notice more um, people getting more aware of anime and manga much earlier because of the internet. Because uh, when we started doing the conference, there wasn't really an internet at all. Yeah, we used to correspond with people with this thing called letters. So you've been shifting books for 20 years. Yeah. What keeps you doing it? Um, I guess I love this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm mean, a fan. I am a fan. I'm not just a fan of manga and anime, I'm a fan of comics, I'm a fan of science fiction, fantasy, films, all that, yeah. From when I was an extremely young person, when I first watched Marine Boy when I was five in 1972. Yeah, so, yeah, and that was it, I'm hooked. We, we're enthusiasts, we're fans as well. So cool. we hope that comes across you know, when we're talking about stuff. If you get us onto a particular subject, we, you know, we can rabbit about it for hours. Hello, we're Angel's Cave. And um, what does Angel's Cave do? Um, we do most at the moment ball jointed dolls, accessories, and um, clothes, wigs. Um, we also do um, things for keeping them clean, so we've got wig spray and cleaning sponges. So you know, just general maintenance of dolls. Um, and we're also we do live um, shoes and handmade clothes. So most of it's all handmade by ourselves. Is, is there much of a ball jointed doll scene in the UK, or is yeah, it? there is quite a big, a big scene. Yeah, there's quite a lot of crossover as well between the um, anime convention anime fans and the Bulldog doll fans. 
you can often get dolls that look a lot like the characters, especially the Dolphin Dreams. So there is quite a few crossover. You will see some ball-jointed dolls about today. There are some hanging around. Excellent. Will they be your ball-jointed dolls or other people's? Other people's. Our two are just here on the store. And they model our clothes for us, so we, we bring our own collection for um, display purposes. We're based in the Midlands. Um, but this year we're doing... Um, at least two, we're hoping for three, um, and we're always at the Derby Doll Meets as well. And uh, that's um, arranged through the UK Forum, which is Angel Unlimited. It's a very good UK Forum, and uh, smaller than the bigger DOA, uh, sorry, Denim Angels, which is the American Forum. <laughs> we're um, a, a fairly tight-knit community, but we're certainly not exclusive or anything. So, so is this a full-time thing, or a just promoting the cause thing, or...? For me personally, it's a more of a hobby thing, so um, I, I, I have a day job as well. So I do this um, just for the love of it as well. It's If I make a bit of profit, then it usually goes on the dolls, so it's a sort of hobby fueling a hobby fueling a just hobby. Just getting the word out there. Yeah, getting the word out as well. people to yeah. it. Splendid. It would be nice to retire from the day job and do it full time. <laughs> Obviously. <Yeah. laughs> but with, with crafting as well, always there's you know time versus profit versus what yeah. people can pay. So you know, in the minute, I'm happy to poodle along and you know keep going. So if people did want to check out your stall, which events are you going to be at in the near future? We're definitely going to be at Alcon. Mm -hmm. um, we've got a table booked. We hope to be at Ketocon. Fingers crossed. Um, and we're, we're looking at other cons, so if people want to get into touch and go, hey, come to our con, we're, you know, we're always open to <laughs> have where, a go. Where would they get in touch with you? And there is a Twitter feed. There is a Twitter feed. Uh, our main email address is contact at angels-cave.com and our web address is uh, angels-cave.com. So. so how do you pronounce that one? Teetoku. Uh, Teetoku, what are you doing this weekend? <laughs> um, well... Usually, most of the time over at convention, I just go for, I go for things really to make sure I have to help run smoothly for everyone else. So you've decided to give up your entire weekend, three days or two days or? Um, I've been here since Thursday, um, so yeah, yeah, four days. Four days of your life. Yep. To do what? To assist in helping all the, you know, some of the major uh, major events that occur at the convention. Why? I, 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 I don't know why, but I just somehow, ever since I did it first go for 10 years ago, I, uh, I've just enjoyed you know, assisting whenever I can. I mean, I don't know why I find uh, some sort of enjoyment from it. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these things you know, set up by you know, a committee who spend more time than I do of their free time getting the convention ready. The least I can do is offer a bit of my own time to assist them in making sure everything runs smoothly. So you've been doing this for 10 years? How for 10 many, years. How many events do you do a um, year? Unfortunately, due to my own work commitments, I'm only able to go to visit uh, one convention a year. Okay. Um, so I've only ever been to Amecons and Iocons. Um, obviously, if Iocon gone, uh, I'll probably be switching over then to Kitacon. I'm going to go for whilst enjoying you know, some of the events whenever I've got you know, a bit of time off or you know, go through certain areas is uh, you know, the requirement for gophers uh, lowers. I can't really see myself as sort of committee material because it's you know, the amount of responsibility. I can't say I would commit enough time to enable to do so. I think four days of your life just to help other people is quite a solid commitment. Don't undersell yourself here. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Well, 
What can I say? <laughs> so I'm standing outside the dinner's room and I am with Lord Ashram. One of the elder gophers. What is an elder gopher? It means we've been daft enough to do this for way, way, way too many years. How many years? Uh, let's see. Started going to cons at 18, started gophering at 20, and I'm 46 now. I'll let you work out the mathematics. Why do you do it? Because I spent quite a few years doing conventions. And once you do enough conventions, you end up in the same format, doing the same stuff. And you get to a point where you've been there, seen it, done it, you've filled the wardrobe full of t-shirts. And uh, an old friend of mine, you and Crystal, may God rest his soul, at Manamicon, introduced me to gophering. And here I am. So, what does your weekend involve? My weekend involves, basically, we volunteer to give our time, oh, things going off. Uh, volunteer, it's, it's that's good. okay. We volunteer to give up our time to help the committee run the convention. In my case, I specialize in looking after crowd control, say registration, dealers rooms, doors, uh, masquerade setups, stuff like that. Some people are experts in technology. They end up being tech gophers to help the technical people. It's like that. We all have our place to strength. Okay. Do you do any of the events here? Do you just go and partake of anything? Uh, uh, if I have time during uh, the year, I might actually put a costume together for Masquerade. This year, I just haven't had time on my hands to do it. Fair enough. Do you not go to any of the panels, any of the viewings? Um, depends which ones they are. I mean, I've done some conventions where I do go to panels. It all depends where the time falls. I mean, I'm planning to go to a couple tomorrow because I'm actually off duty and it's ones I want to see. <laughs> so, how, how many events do you do a year? Uh, this year I'm doing five conventions. How many of them are you go for? Five of them. Do you do any conventions where you don't go for? Yes, there is one in particular which is not on my... I'm, I do f five which I'm gophering at. There's one called Play Blackpool. It's in the northwest where I live. That's the only one, I, because it's a retro games one, it's an old tech, so I'm not really good. I go in and I go there with my younger brothers and my nephew as a family out into a convention. The running joke is that I went last year and so many people asked me that, Ash, are you gophering this convention? That the committee gave me a badge saying, Ashram is not gophering this convention. Do you prefer gophering or attending? Gophering. Uh, Sounds like a bit of an addiction. Yeah, you can, all, you can almost call... Actually, a convention that runs too smoothly is boring. A convention where you have the inescapable disasters popping up now and again. It's a bit of an adrenaline junkie being a gopher. Okay, so now I'm talking to... Charlotte. Hi, Charlotte. And you are dressed as? Female Thor. Okay, so why did you decide to dress up as uh, Female Thor for this event? Uh, well, it's actually, I wore this to a party last year, and it was uh, kind of a do-your-own-thing. And my, uh, a few of my friends were going as different uh, comic characters, mm -hmm. and I thought, oh, which one do I really like to do? Oh, one with a hammer. Let's do that. Hammer's so, good. yeah, female Thor. Had to. So what have you been doing at Amicom? Uh, just getting used to the place, because it's the first time it's been here. Mm -hmm. So wandering around the Rabbit Warren. Is it the first time you've been in Amicom? No, I've been coming to anime conventions since 2007. I think it was. Um, I think the first one was an Amicon, so it may have been 2007, 2006. Um, and then I've been going to Aya and Kitta since then. 
um, and just keep going, really. So what have you been doing this, other than walking around as a wonderful people? Uh, well, I'm one third of a group that sometimes does um, sketches in the Amaki called the Tom Lira Memorial Singers. Um, so, you know, we are on YouTube. Go look at it. Uh, <laughs> what, what would the YouTube name be? Uh, the Tom Lira Tom Memorial Singers. Um, and we've done a few uh, songs for the markets. We haven't done one this year, but we're planning to do one in the summer. So it's a chap called Tom Lira, who was a musician mostly in the 50s and 60s. He's still alive, he's, he's still doing things. Um, and we kind of take his songs, which were comedy songs to begin with, and do anime versions. So, so may I ask, uh, you're very focused on the anime, but you're dressed as a Western character. I am. Oh, yeah, I, I love it all. I mean, to me, dressing up is the thing. I used to love dressing up. Anyway, Halloween is my favourite time of the year. I don't think that you... There are a few people who are like, well, it's a Japanese thing, you should do a Japanese anime. But in... Fairness, things like like X Men, for example, there was a Japanese version of the intro done for mm. the American cartoon when it broadcast in Japan. Was, you know, I believe there was also a series of Wolverine and X Men yep. done as anime. Exactly. Japan. So, and there's been all, all versions. Yeah. So, I think you know it, it's it, it's a bit restrictive to then say, well, you know, you can only do something that was born, bred, and created in Japan yeah. because things cross over so much. It's going to be fun, and you know, if people want to dress up as Disney or you know, a Western thing, I don't think that they should be told off for it. Most of the people who I know come to these things, come here because they can be themselves mm. and they can dress up exactly how they want in whatever they fancy and not feel like they're going to get hassled. So we don't, we get that enough from people on the outside. We don't need to be doing it to each other on the inside. So I'm now talking to Gemma. Hi Gemma, and what have you been up to this weekend? Um, I've been cosplaying Jasmine. Uh, you know, the Disney one, and I've basically just been around getting to know people and just talking to everyone and just having a good time with the board games. N nothing too exciting, but it's a lot of fun. Which board games have you been playing? Uh, I think there's Takenako, I believe, which is like a really chill game. Mm -hmm. um, I'm playing D&D today, uh, playing Magic Gathering. Um, not too many board games, just those ones. Is, is board games something you normally do, or you just thought you'd have a try? Uh, I do normally do it with a group at my university. Cool. Um, the society there does a lot of board games, and we do a lot of magic as well, so it's not really a big change. <laughs> <laughs> but it was nice to do it with new people, and actually spread out, get to know what people do know, different kinds of players, you know, that kind of thing. It's really nice. I went to the party last night. <laughs> a lot of people went to the party last night, which is uh, why a lot of people were looking quite blurry this morning. Yeah, I'm a bit tired. Uh, the dealer's room was really nice this time, though, with all the artwork. I, I, the only reason I really go is to see the new artwork and uh, pick up on that kind of thing. Do you buy much from the dealer's room? or is it? I just normally buy all the artwork, yeah. It's really inspirational to see what people make, and then it inspires me to do things, and I really do like having it just in my room, on the wall, that kind of thing. So, um, is, does, there's a lot of there's the uh, stuff available officially and all that. Is there any reason that you that you go for the deal, dealer created stuff right over the official stuff? Or yeah, it's because um, everyone can get a, it online. Everyone can get yeah. it everywhere. Else, but I like to talk to the artist, find out how they did it, like, and just get to know. I say get to know them. Just talk to them and just see how they got there. Uh, it's really inspirational to hear like some of them just started with doodles and then it became like, amazing artwork. 
and it's just having an original piece that people that aren't in cosplay and stuff have seen some of the pieces and gone, where did you get that? And you're like, well, actually, the artist made it, or they commissioned it for me, or no one else can have a copy mm. of that, it's mine. So I kind of like that aspect of it. So it's the, the uniqueness of it, and you've got the story connected to it. Yeah, rather than just, oh, I bought it online. The biggest reason for cosplay is literally just didn't meet people. It's I say like uh, I've met um, a couple of new people who I ended up playing magic with, and I've hung out with them the whole convention. Never met them before. Um, <laughs> first time I've ever met them. I ended up hanging out with the whole convention with them, and it's a nice kind of feeling that you're just friendly and everyone else is friendly, and you can just chill out with them and no one's stressed out. And it's just nice. What do you think of it so far as a convention? The setup of the convention is good. The panels are great. The way they've done it. The hotel's not great. The hotel may be. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's also the fact that half of the convention's on the tenth floor, and the other half's at the bottom. <laughs> uh, that's not the convention's fault. That's just they've dealt with what they've had to deal with. Although having the nice quiet tenth floor is actually quite nice. It's where you can do all the gaming without everyone screaming and shouting at the same time. So we're away from all the noise and I'm talking to Joe and Joe is from Taku News. Yes, I am from TakuNews.com. I am the editor of the long-running website TakuNews.com. We cover news for fans of Japan. Is that very well practiced? Um, no, that is our tagline. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought because, you know, lots of sites anime this, anime that, something anime. And when I wanted a domain, I wanted to cover more than just anime and manga, other stuff related to sort of Japanese culture and things anime fans find interested and naturally progress into. So I thought Utaku would be a better covering. And it also um, encases things like that obsessive nature of fandom as well. In Japan, Utaku, to my understanding, forgive me if I'm wrong, was originally somewhat of an insult? It still is. It's sort of, a, it's sort of like saying, well, it's sort of obsessive, lonely person, really. You know, but there's more than just anime and manga Utakus. There are... Utakus who like airsoft, Utaku who like paintballing, um, race car Utakus, samurai sword Utakus, chess Utakus, all kinds of things. It's that nature of the obsessiveness and the sort of loneliness. Um, but in UK anime fandom and American fandom, it's seen as like a badge of, badge of pride. They've taken their word back. Because you say it's about the loneliness, but most of the people who I know who will class themselves as Utaku. Um, see, it's very communal. It's it's a badge of belonging to a group rather than an individual thing. They would be in that group, yeah. But often, they think more of the hikamori, the sort of loner by himself in his room typing. That's generally the sort of stereotypical image you have in otaku. There's that crossover. Do you not think it's a bit strange that we've essentially, and I say we as in the Western culture, has essentially taken a derogatory term and just flipped it on its head. Do you think we've missed the point of it? I think oh. something's been lost in translation. I've got business cards with Utaku News on, and I've given them to Japanese people, and the look on their faces I've, uh, when I give them these business cards, it's almost like saying wanker. The look on their face, they're looking at and they're like, do you know what this word means? I'm like, yes. So you like anime? Okay, what anime do you like? And I tell them. You know, I tell them I like Ghibli titles, I like Totoro, I like Kiki's Delivery Service, things like that. And their eyes light up. And this one lady says to me, oh, you're a friendly Utaku. And she's a bit confused. It's like, why have you got this word on your website, yet you're, you seem like normal and nice? Over in Japan, 
saying you like uh, My Neighbor Totoro, that's like saying I've seen the latest Disney. Yeah. It's, it's not hardcore. It's not it's niche. It's normal. It's mainstream. It's everywhere. It is just part of their culture. But over here, before the sort of Disney bought the rights and E4, sorry, Film 4 shows um, Ghibli movies every Easter holidays, it was very hard to get any Ghibli movies. People didn't mm. know who Miyazaki was. Um, and even in America, it was sort of a niche. But now it's more mainstream, even in sort of the Western world became more well known but other anime is less well known how much of the stuff that the uk otaku consume would actually be considered otaku content over in japan um i'd say it's like a pyramid so you've got all the more mainstream stuff on top um like jubilee titles more well-known titles and you get weird crossover stuff you get things that are massive in japan but uh unknown over here like um doraemon mm -hmm. so every japanese person likes doraemon they know it. They That's because Doraemon is awesome. It is. Doraemon is awesome. But over here, it hasn't been released yet. It's just been released in America by Disney. I think one of their subsidiaries through Viz or something. Mm -hmm. um, and that's becoming slowly more mainstream and more well-known. But it's been out for, I think, 30 years or something. And it's huge in Japan, but in other countries it isn't. Then in different countries and territories, you get different pockets of what's popular. So you get sort of a distorted view of the Japanese market. Mm. So you get people locking onto titles um, that are unheard of in Japan or niche, and they become massive in certain fandom subgroups or certain subcultures. And it's quite interesting to watch, sort of compare Japanese anime markets to um, Western ones, or before things like simulcasting, how long it would take to drip feed from Japan over to English-speaking countries. So simulcasting would be like the recent Sailor Moon global launch which give me if i'm wrong was one of if not the first was one of the first major launches that they just went we're going to hit the global market yeah well it's targeted that way while now every anime season it's released pretty much a day after or sometimes at the same time in um english-speaking world legally as well and that's the key thing the acquired general knowledge is that the Japanese market doesn't care about the global market. Do you think that's actually shifting, or they're accepting the fact that people care beyond? Because there used to be a huge, huge delay between a Japanese launch and an official global launch. Do you think that's improving? I'd say it is. I've heard sort of stories from people, um, sort of second-hand, how they're more aware of the international market. I was speaking to Shinjiro Watanabe about this, the director of Cowboy Bebop. Mm -hmm. um, when he was directing Space Dandy, that was simulcast in um, English as well when it was done. It was even dubbed and released spoken English at the same time as the Japanese market. And the way they did that, Cartoon Network actually funded part of the show. Even then he had money. But um, I was asking him, did you adapt it for the American market? Did you consider, well, the American audience is going to watch this? And he said, no, because then you get this sort of weird interpretation of how Japanese people think that jokes would be funny to Americans when really he's made a product that he knows his audience mm. would like and then hopefully the sort of more global audience would like as well. So what what stuff have you seen recently that you think is going to be good for people to watch that you, you really get excited about? The one at the moment I think that's really underrated is um, a title from I think last season or the season before called Eccentric Family. It's um, set in Kyoto in modern time. It's about this family of Tanuki who um, live in Kyoto and they take human form. Short story, 13 episodes, about this family of Tanuki. And something's happened with their father, he's gone. Um, and they're mourning the loss of... And they don't quite understand the full circumstances of why he's, why he's gone. 
and it follows the story of the family as they unravel the conspiracy around this. And it's very well animated, quirky in a different way for anime. It's not about the fan service and the moe, it's more about traditional Japanese folklore. And it's just a nice different setting. Um, it's been released in America by um, NIS America, but it hasn't been released in the UK yet. I really want it to get a UK release. You can watch mm. it on Crunchyroll, though, um, legitimately. So with Crunchyroll, uh, for people who don't know, Crunchyroll is a service that came out a year, two years? Uh, about, I think, three or four. It started off as an illegal website, yeah, and then they went legitimate and got funding, and then I think they got bought out by an investment fund. I actually have this on Attacking You somewhere, and they um, they actually um, they own the video streaming rights for um, various anime titles and now license it regions, so you can watch legitimately on your home home computer, TV, or ever this um, anime. Most of it is subtitled. The older titles are dubbed. They'll show it within a day of broadcast. So equivalent to Netflix. Yeah, and then you can watch as much anime as you like. Um, and what they do, the money from your viewing goes to that show. So if you're only watching one particular show, you know the rights holders for that will get the money. Well, if you're watching 20 shows, all the money will be spread against the 20 different rights holders. Did you think that's having giving an impetus to the Japanese producers to go, we've got this means we can just cart it out to the, to the rest of the world? Do you think that's helping opening up the market that people previously thought was very closed and insular? I think or? it is. I think it's also helping people discover anime as well. And that's the key problem there has been with anime in the past, I'd say, is discoverability. Because often people lock on to anime. You need to watch certain good titles that align to your taste or something you'll like. Otherwise, it can be off-putting if you're watching something bad. It's like if you think, oh, all cop shows are about guys with guns who run about and just shoot people in the face. Mm. You know, there's whole different subsections of cop shows while anime is exactly the same it's not really a genre it's a whole different medium of what you can get two anime fans in a room three anime fans in a room or even ten and they could all have completely different tastes in anime and they would not agree on a show worth so you, you're here at this convention um, what is it you're doing at the convention why is it you're coming along I come for many reasons I come to realign my anime tastes or just see what's going on with anime fandom. Generally if you look at forums or posts you get large vocal minorities mm -hmm. while if you go to anime conventions you can see a whole different class of anime fans and um, if people made the effort to cosplay certain characters you know they like that show or that show's character design. It helps sort of calibrate your taste and barometer, well um, your barometer of which way the wind's blowing. Let's say if like last year everyone was dressed as characters from a show called Attack on Titan. Mm -hmm. This year, I've yet to see someone cosplaying as a character from Attack on Titan. I've seen a few Tokyo Ghoul cosplayers, um, but at the moment here it's hard to tell because this is a smaller anime convention, and by its nature, the fans here are more hardcore. Uh, you go to events like MCM Expo, which has, um, I mean, this convention has an over-18s entry policy, so you've got the more mature anime fan, you've got ones with a bit more money and a bit more disposable income. Well, if you go to um, MCM Expo, you've got a more diverse range. You've got 100,000 people there. You've got 14-year-olds who have just discovered something amazing and they're dressed as Naruto and they're running around super excited. You've got, um, you've got people there who have been there for a long time and they've realised, oh, they only like certain things or they only cosplay as certain obscure characters from video games. Well, here, you can see people and I ask them, who are you cosplaying as? Because there's only so many shows you can watch. And they go, you know that really obscure Final Fantasy VII game that was a spin-off of the spin-off? Like, yeah. And in there, for like three minutes, one cutscene, there's these two guards. We're cosplaying as those two guards. 
I'm like, okay. And they're like, yeah, it's really good, isn't it? Because they want to deliberately cosplay as something no one else has cosplayed as before. Cool. The question I ask is, at this event, it's building itself as a uh, Japanese culture anime manga event. But there's a number of people going around with basically dis uh, distinctly Western cosplays. Personally, or, or as a Japanese, what do you think about that? It's interesting, really. Um, because some anime conventions have started out as anime conventions and have become more general geek cons. And some cons in America have a very strict no Jedi rule. They have a rule saying no Jedi's, no Klingons. It's not Japanese, don't wear it. Mm -hmm. While other cases, um, I feel a bit sort of double-edged sword for that because it's good that people can come here and express themselves as geeks. Mm. But at the same time, it's, well, you know, this is more of an exclusive Japanese thing and where do you draw the line because it's... It's freedom of expression that's good. But, I mean, you yourself, you, you've turned up wearing a Adventure Time t-shirt. Yeah. So... That's true. Uh, I could call I'm not trying to... Call, no, you're not. Um, I'm not trying to hoist you on your petard. Ha ha, no, you're wearing an Adventure Time. Oh, they wouldn't know Traitor. what I'm wearing. Yeah. No, um, I could defend myself by saying how awesome an Adventure Time is. Well, that's because Adventure yeah, Time's pretty damn awesome. awesome. And there have been direct Jubilee references in Adventure Time as well. Where Finn walks, Finn walks through this. Um, they reproduce the scene where May walks through the forest and discovers Totoro exactly where Finn does it, and he finds I can't remember what he finds, but something awesome. Um, it's generally more geeky. Um, I wear Adventure Time T-shirts because most people here don't. Okay. Although some things in the dealer room do. I've seen lots of people cosplay at anime conventions as um, Adventure Time characters like Fiona and Cake or um, Ice King. Marceline, there used to be a lot more Marceline cosplayers. It's sort of general geek circles that get adapted. Like a couple of years ago, My Little Pony was massive, wasn't it? It's, it's still quite massive. I can see the look of certain... horror on your face, yeah. It's not a look of horror. <laughs> yeah. I, I. Okay, this is my podcast. You can't ask me hard yeah, questions. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think. Mm, I will be honest and say I think it's a little disappointing that if you put My Little Pony into Google, the first thing you'll hit image. The first thing you're going to do is reach for the borax and scour your eyes out. So, is that with safe search turned on? Um, <laughs> We're talking okay. more about Andrew here. Okay. Uh, the My Little Pony thing, it's cool. I get that. I, I have no problem with guys being into it. I just think, to a degree, um, I don't know, it kind of got hijacked a little. Mm. Um, you see, and that's what you could say about anime conventions as well. How far down the line do you want to do? Because it's like... Do you want to have a geek spectrum thing? Is Adventure Time okay because it's got, it's animated yeah. and it's popular and it's got that crossover? It's got a it's lot of, of crossover appeal. It's got yeah. a lot of references. I kind of think anime, uh, the Adventure Time is on that kind of geek culture yeah. line where yeah. it's like, here's all the really cool stuff from anime. Yeah. Let's celebrate it. Yeah. But let's be our own thing. And it's got that cross-pollination thing going on. I've been in Japan wearing um, an Adventure Time t-shirt. And the sales staff, while I was buying stuff, looked at me and goes, oh, Adventure Time. I love Adventure Time. And then she said, I love Muscleine. I'm like, I like Muscleine too. So, and so, so you get over here, muscle. Adventure Time's go kicking out on Cartoon Network. Yeah. Over there, would it be like Adventure Time is their otaku, what we would call otaku? It's like, it's not so. real deep it, geek, but it's pretty it is out geeky. there. It was, they had Adventure Time merchandise um, being sold in anime, uh, Japanese animation shop that sells anime mm. merchandise. But I also saw it in the mainstream um, toy shops as well. 
So it's a known thing over there, and I think it is enjoyed and appreciated by sort of similar geeky people. I, I've geeky seen senses. I've seen Ghibli for sale in HMV. But if you're comparing Ghibli to Transparts, you could say Disney. But to answer your question, where do you draw the line? Do you say we are a weeb con and we only show weeb things? I, get I, out of here. Yeah. That, that's Chinese, that's Korean, we're not interested, get rid of it. Or do you allow the sort of centre core to be anime and geeky? Because also you've got people who have Western video games t-shirts and Western video game cosplay. Is that allowed? Is that acceptable? I am currently at the bar at Amicon. I'm talking to... Jason. And how would Jason describe the way he is currently dressed. Pisces, pirates, cannons. You're basically dressed as a pirate. Basically. Are we planning on any high sea skullduggery this weekend or? Definitely. So what have you done this weekend so far? So far, I woke up at 6am, got a coach, felt really bad about getting up about 6am, arrived, had a drink, it's been good. Talked to loads of people all the time. And, well, I look at the games room, panels, it's been pretty good. You enjoying the con? Anything else coming up that you're looking forward to? Oh, the rock out at the end on Sunday. You're going to be rocking out like a pirate. Cool. So what brings you along to Chibi Amicon? Uh, well, my first convention was the Amicon three years ago in 2012. Uh, so I just couldn't miss this one with it being the first ever convention that I went to, if it's, if it's a bit downsized. So how much smaller would you say this is from the normal event? About half, I'd reckon. Better for it, worse for it, just different? I think just different. I mean, it's definitely a welcome change out until I walk back and, you know, all over a, uh, a university campus. But at the same time, there isn't any sort of public places where you can just sort of hang out and chill in the sun. Okay. Uh, apart from that, um, small distances are definitely welcome, and your room is literally a lift ride away. So, collapsible different distance. Yeah. Excellent. So you're going to be taking part in the masquerade, or is this just floor show? No, just floor show. Uh, I won't, don't really do masquerades because it's, it's not really a, a full-on cosplay. It's more sort of like you know, bits and bats that have managed to sort of stick together and buy here and there. So you just decided to come along to an event dressed like a pirate? Yes. Because you can. Because I can. And because, if I may say, you look wonderful doing it. Well, thank you. Pleasure to meet you, sir. So, what are you doing at this event? I'm currently slow dancing with the most attractive man I can muster. Uh, this event is a copious amount of alcohol, um, partying, dancing, and generally enjoyment. A hedonistic montage, some may say. And sitting the Wi-Fi. <laughs> and yeah, using the Wi-Fi to its fullest extent. Fantastic. You've been leeching the, you've been leeching the internet getting drunk and enjoying the fine bacchanalian delights. Of course, of course. But one must indulge. Have you finished your Tuesday? Yeah, we're finished the time. Not much, yeah, we're just, just beginning. Okay. So are you lose the conning at this event or did you buy a convention badge? Uh, I purchased a convention badge but didn't actually collect the reg until oh, last midnight, last night at midnight. <laughs> right? No, I just don't like wearing the lanyards. You don't like that? Do they do they destroy your rakish style? They do, they do. Um, I would like a convention to actually take fashion into consideration. As you can see at the moment, I'm dressed like a junkyard hippie. I'm the type of chap who buys six cans of special brew, goes down to the local park, drinks it and shouts at the swans for making too much noise. This is my life. So how many conventions are you taking in this year? 
Six, maybe? Maybe seven. Will you be shouting at swans at all of these conventions? Yes. Here's a question for you. Yep. Did Didi die? Dexter's Laboratory. Did Didi die? I don't know. I'm not a connoisseur of Dexter's Laboratory. What are you a connoisseur of? Not Dexter's Laboratory. And I'm here with... Photo Goku. Photo Goku. And what does Photo Goku do at this event? He takes lots of pictures. What are you taking pictures of this event? It's all the different brilliant cosplays, and I am in cosplay as Goku. You are in a wonderful cosplay as Goku. I have the cardboards. You have a spectacular still. cardboard head on. Which works well, yeah. Which would have been so much better if this wasn't audio. Yeah. So, what decent pics have you got this event? Lots of good pictures, and I put them on my Facebook website, which is Photo Goku, and cool. on Flickr as well, under that destinations, and lots of people like them all the time. Basically, I'm, I, just, I don't really go to, I basically just take the photos and get dressed up, like tomorrow I'll be Leela from Futurama, so a crossplay, which is a bit more fun. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a bit of crossplay. Why did you decide to go as Leela? Because I love Futurama, <laughs> and it was an easy character. <laughs> Long purple wig, big boobs. <laughs> okay, this easy costume, but you. Everyone's got to do a crossplay at one time. <laughs> just for fun. I am nothing wrong with that. I was just wondering. There, Fry's an easier character. I was just wondering, other than the fact that Leela is awesome. That's because you want to go through the most recognisable, and you right. Bender, Zoidberg, or Leela. And I've been challenged to do Leela's Clobarella for Kitacon, so that could be interesting. That's in a swimsuit sort of level thing. Cool. So we'll see how that works out. It's a quick two-hour cosplay and then change back again. How many events are you doing this year? I do most of them in Scotland these days. So I used to, because Scotland's actually getting a lot more now, with the MCM moving up there, and there's a couple of guys that do a. Glasgow Comic Con and Edinburgh Comic Con and there's one I was at last week called Decon which is a free event at Dundee University it's run by the student union up there and that was about 4,000 people I think attended that so yeah. not many people making it up to Scotland for the events? some people from about maybe from about maybe from Nottingham upwards or maybe go up to the Glasgow events most people from Newcastle and Carlisle will come up to their ones so it's yeah. a distant thing not it's as England-Scotland thing no it's more a distance thing and I think because the Scottish ones have only started taking off in the last like two or three years so they're not as well known it's the same again they're not really held in hotels they're more held in the university campuses and it's more just a, a couple, either a one day event or two day event rather than a three day event so maybe in the future they might start to get build a bigger one so there's one called Okinawa that would run for about eight or nine years every couple of years mm. but unfortunately the last one was last year so that was the end of that one that was so you guys have got a pretty good scene going on it's going but getting better it's getting better there's one disappears another one usually arrives again as the next generation comes up and wants to try and copy the previous one other than the absence of McEwan's and Ironbrook any big differences between the, t the, the scenes? Apart from the money, you have to go to the bank here and there's no like the Scottish money here. <laughs> what happens was is you have like the MCM one in London which gets about 100,000 people going. Yeah. When I first went to that there was maybe 20-30,000 going to it, it was a smaller event. When they done the Glasgow one, the first time they done the Glasgow one, they got 20,000 people going and they couldn't let everybody in, so they got disappointed. So they built over the whole of the SCCC in Glasgow, mm. so they could have a bigger event the next year and it sold out as well to about 30 or 40,000 people going. So you get, I was getting the feeling that the Glasgow one was like what the London was when was maybe seven or eight or nine years ago. And, but what I'm worried about is if the Scottish one tries to take up to 100,000, which is very likely, but then... <laughs> so I'm currently talking to... Pouncey. Stagger. Stagger. So what have you guys been doing at this event so far? Well, I'm here doing some video work and some promotional work for Kitacom. Okay. 
and just some bits of photography around that as well. I do photography, go around like trying to record the event photography wise. I've got a little tiny green screen thing in there. They do it's some edits and stuff. That is really small. I I I did a, I had an impressive one at Icon, which was was it seven eight meters long, which That's was good. really cool. So it's been fun. So other, other than photography, um, like, you've been doing any of the panels, you've been doing any of the other events? Or? Uh, did Lee Masquerade and Leo Mackey yesterday, mm -hmm. but haven't been to any of the other panels really, at least one. Cool. Yeah, I've done my, like cover masquerade photography wise, and yeah, generally going around getting as much photos as I can and record the event. Coming along to this event, you obviously have to do multiple events. You're basically just you're not so much engaged in the activity here; you're more on the periphery of it rather than the actual official events. Okay. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, so we cover it. Yeah, record type thing, really, isn't it? Yeah. Do you do much photography and videoing outside of the uh, anime magazine? Or I don't tend to. So when's KidCon going to be? KidCon is end of July, start of August this year. Are there still spaces available for it? No, we... It's so we, an hour or something, Yeah, we... Initially, we filled registrations in 72 yeah. minutes. 1,600 people. We, we, were pretty happy, we were pretty happy with that. We closed the waiting list last week, I believe. So, everybody's paid up now. So, if people, if people want to uh, get tickets for next year's one, because it's obviously high demand... We'll be Where, announcing, which? I believe we'll be announcing the dates of the event at the end of this Kitacom. So, Lane will announce when we're going to open registrations for that. Website would be? Okay. I'll uh, try my best. You'll, I'm sure you'll do wonderfully. <laughs> Can I just grab your name for them? Uh, Luke May. So Luke, what have you been doing at this event? Um, sleeping, drinking. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, chilling. Yeah, I spent most of my time saying that chair. Okay. Only same much else. Did you have a ticket for the event, or are you just hanging out? Yeah, I've got I've got my badge and everything. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty much all I've done is just like really chill out, <coughs> and it's it's been a really like chilled out event. It's been nice. It's, it's, it's a change. Because usually, come to a convention, it's like 100 mile an hour or the whole weekend. Mm. It's just been nice to like sit down and actually talk to people for a change. Because usually, it's just like one to the next, and you're running around constantly. You've got to, you've got to keep moving. Um, yeah, it's been a nice change. It's just turned up and see people. And do you do a lot of different events in the country? Yeah, a few. Um, MA, top of my head, was uh, one we went to. Uh, AO have been to that as well. They've both. I know Ami's technically sort of finished. I mean, it's still going, but it finished. And then AO's finished as well. KCon as well, we go to. Uh, we're looking for more events. We, we go to MCM Comic Con as well. Uh, we've been to LFCC events. So, yeah. Do you, do you say they've each got their own flavour? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, what, London Expo is definitely a lot different from mm. Con scene as well. Um, that's mainly queuing up. <laughs> A lot of people have said that that's more of a trade hall with yeah. you know, events happening at it rather yeah. than 
this kind of place where it's events with a trade hall. Yeah. It's still good though, because I mean, you do. It, it is a bit chaotic, like because it is just it's thousands of people, and it can get a bit hustly bustly and queuing up and a bit crowded and whatnot. But you you get to catch up with people as well. And it's 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 nice. But like you said, it's got its own flavour. It's a different sort of thing in the same world, if, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mainly, it's, it's because it's it's to get away from like work, really. You know, it's a nice break. Um, it's a lot easier than getting on a plane and going sitting in the sun for a week or something. You know, it's cheaper and it's easier to get to. Um, and then on top of that, you get to see people that you enjoy being with as well from various parts of the country. So now I'm talking to Keiichi. So what's Keiichi been doing at this event? Keiichi has been uh, keynoting all the things. We've been doing a few uh, video projects for people, a couple of which are going to be going during the closing ceremony later on today. And uh, yesterday I was running, uh, helping to run the, uh, the National Tabletop Day. Yeah, well, I don't know if you know the uh, the Geek and Sundry channel on YouTube. Will Wheaton, he of he formerly of Star Trek, uh, runs a show on there. It's basically celebrity poker for geeks. Every other week they play a different board game. Mm-hmm. This is the third year they've run it. It's an actual international celebration of the board game in all in all its myriad forms. In there we've had stuff like Takenoko Smash Up, uh, King of Tokyo. Uh, obviously, Magic the Gathering and uh, Yu-Gi-Oh stuff like that going on as well. But yeah, all, all, still all, all strong ca- after what, 15, 20 years now? Isn't it? Hugely, yeah. Like, like, t- Magic the Gathering is now in its twenty-second year, which is a scary thought. I gave up playing in nineteen ninety-nine because I felt that that far behind with the cards. Now there's a new expansion every other t- every other flaming month. So this event is predominantly a manga anime Japanese culture event, and all the games you've listed are basically other than. Uh, King of Tokyo, which is just big monsters punching each other in the face, is Western stuff. A lot of it is, yeah. But that, that's the way these events are going these days. It's not so, the the anime and manga side of things is still there. No two ways about it. But they're turning into uh, a much more social thing. Mm. Uh, it's it's a mission all things geek, but just have, that happens to be uh, anime and manga flavored. Some of the things that were going through the uh, the masquerade last night. Mm-hmm. Not all of them were. We're, we're anime and manga. We had uh, Darker Link cosplaying as Belle from Beauty and the Beast. So Brilliant you, costume. You've been on the scene for quite a while. Yeah. How do you feel about that change? I'm good with it. it, it it's, it's a lot more diverse. I mean, if we, if we were all just about anime and manga, it would, it would, it would be quite a narrow field, despite how, how wide that, that spectrum is. So There's got to be elements creeping in from, from outside all the time, otherwise... You, you, you feel the change, you feel. Oh, I, I agree with you on that. I'm, I'm, uh, I was just curious if you think um, it could, the, the events that describe themselves as anime manga, but as you're saying, are more broad, whether you think they should be you know, worth them changing the description, or do you think there's a specific feel to an anime manga event, even though anime manga is less of the be-all and end-all of it? Oh, it's... it's as, as, long, as long as we keep our core mm. as, as being the anime and manga side of things, I'm good with that. Um, we, we, we are, in all, to one tense purposes, geeks. Mm-hmm. We, we watch Oh My Goddess, we read Gunsmith Cats, we play Cards Against Humanity, we play Portal, mm. we listen to Ayumi Hamasaki, we listen to System of a Down, whoever. Mm. It's these things that makes us unique. So you're saying the anime manga scene still is a very definite scene? It, 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 it is 
the absolute core of what we do, but it's not the be-all and end-all. Yeah. It's one part of, a, of something that's so much more. Mm. And if we, if we dedicate ourselves to, ourselves to just that one part in, in and of yeah. itself, that, that would reduce our catchment area, mm. if you like. Um, and that, that would be stupid to do so. If we just limit ourselves just to the anime and manga side of things, we wouldn't get, be getting some of the stuff that we've had here this weekend. Mm. And we'd be much the poorer for it. Which three games do you think at the moment you, you, you don't think are being played enough that you want more people to play? Well, I would, I would definitely say Takenoko. That, that, that one, I've, I've had a look at, that looks... It's a serene game. It's, you're, playing the, uh, you're playing a gardener who has to manage, the, manage his, uh, his lord's gardens and also take care of his pet panda. As you do. The way you do, yeah. yeah. Uh, by b building up resources and building up bamboo shoots for the panda to eat. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's, a, it's a very calming game, that one. But uh, it's, it's very vibrant at the same time. Lots of colour in it, very... Well, the one was just abstract called Quirkle Cubes that we were playing. That one, the, the original form of that's been on tabletop. Mm -hmm. But with that one, with the version I brought here, that um, rather than using tiles, you use like six-sided cubes, each with the, each with the uh, all the fit, all the shapes on one cube, all of one colour. And with that, the strategy slightly changes because your hand stays open to all, for all to view, as was being kept secret to yourself. So it changes the strategy of it all. Um, we also had uh, Munchkin, naturally one of the uh, one of the legendary uh, mm. card games. Uh, we have, we've, we've had that in a few flavours. We had the, the vanilla set. But in, in regards to Japanese stuff, I think I saw some Legend of the Five Rings get, getting played in there, which is more, which, which, which is more Chinese than uh, than Japanese, I believe, isn't it? Fantasy Asian yeah. stuff. It's not. It's its own country it, 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 thing. It, generic Asian -y thing. So you're quite big into your games. Yeah. What do you think the big trends are in the board game scene at the moment? I think things are starting to move away from the trading card game and heading more towards the deck builders. Mm -hmm. Stuff where it's a standalone set, and you and you build up your deck from what you what you get coming into your hand. Mm -hmm. There's one I started uh, playing that's now called Ascension, mm -hmm. Chronicle of the Godslayer. That is uh, that's pretty good. That, that that's actually designed by three three uh, Magic pro professional players. Justin Gary being one of them. It's done by a company, the original called Gary Games. They call themselves Stoneblade Entertainment right now. And that's into uh, about, about its fifth or sixth expansion, but mm. it, it's a lot more manageable to do because the expansions are all self-contained and they do about one every six months to a year. So it's still card games, but it's less of the random factor. You know what you're buying, and you know the possibility of what you might be getting to build your, build, build your yeah. deck in the game. And, uh, and so you know exactly what kind of things you can go for because you know they're in there. I, I, I much prefer the deck builder games because they're easier to, easier to imagine. It's, it's not a constant, uh, it's not constantly siphoning money out out of your wallet. I'm now talking to Marshall. So what have you been up to this event? Uh, well, we actually got asked to be in a TV show for American uh, yeah, American female wrestlers. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> They just sort of showed up and it's like, hey, can we talk to you guys? We've got some female wrestlers that want to talk to... Cosplayers. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty much your average Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are there something else happening? <laughs> yeah. Other things of a lesser nature. Other things of a... Yeah, I got bullied into joining the masquerade again. Well, you had to. You had yeah. to. There's There's a, it's what friends for. They're not for bullying you into doing stuff, really. <laughs> Why originally weren't you going to do the masquerade? Stage fright. 
from the person it's who's going to be on wrestling TV? It's a different kind of stage fright. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm talking to Reese, and what's Reese been up to this weekend? Oh, I. I've been mostly go furring this weekend. It's it's very enjoyable, despite what people may think, and um, it it helps me uh, socialise where my skills are less apparent. Which uh, panels have you seen? Uh, I saw the Itasha Scalectrics, as well as the charity auction, where I narrowly lost. Uh, what did you lose out? What did you almost lose out on? Or what did you lose out on? The, the charity mugs. Charity mugs. It, it pushed past my budget. What were the mugs? They were the mugs with the badge designs on them. Nice. He ended up going for 300 or so in the end. Not bad, not bad at all. Yeah. Were there any other good items in the auction this oh, year? Oh, plenty of good things. There was pixel art of um, the mascot, as well as, um, as various art items or other items provided by the various traders in the dealer's room. Okay, and I'm currently talking to... Michael Tang. Hi Michael, what have you been up to at this event? I have been helping out with the uh, committee. I am part of both right. um, Mostly playing board games of the uh, current events. Which uh, board games have you been playing? Um, mostly um, Red Dragons Inn. I haven't it's, heard that one. It's basically a Howell Adventures. Um, finished today, win their gold. And basically, you know, get drunk. <laughs> Sounds good. Have you done any of the panels or any of the events? No, I'm, I'm more of a casual, but I'm well known. <laughs> probably because of those amazing mechanical ears, I yeah. think they probably help. Did yeah. you make them yourself? No, or? these are called Nekamimis. Oh, right. Uh, these are um, brown brainwave patterns. Right. So there are two, uh, two sensors on the, um, on the part of the head at the moment, which would be one on the ear, the lower part of the ear, mm -hmm. and one on the part of the forehead. This will sense your, how, or your motion on the brainwave, which will react how your ears will go. So it's just reacting. Do you have any control over it? Or um, if you, you say, like, if you're feeling calm, the ears will go down. You're not as active. Um, they will pick up if you're active or they spot something. Okay. So the moment they're rotating backwards and forwards, what does that say about this interview? I'd probably be a bit happy, you know, happy at the moment. Okay, that's a positive yes. thing. So how much did that set cost? Um, it co uh, set me was about fifty pounds back in uh, I mean, well three years ago, roughly about that time. Yeah, it's a bit expensive, but it's worth it because you can see most people are still surprised up to now that they never see it in, uh, in real person. Yeah, they look very impressive. Yes. So, I'm talking to uh, Sam Denton. Sam Denton and... Uh, Laura Cox. And what have you guys been up to this weekend? I've been in a, a really nice, chill time, um, just sort of hanging out in the bar, play, doing a bit of karaoke, been up in the games room, a uh, little bit of cosplay and uh, what a bit of buying. Um, I've been doing all sorts of things, really. Um, I did a Power Ranger yesterday. Nice. Um, what have you, and you're doing a... Um, Nice. Did you get anything good from the uh, traders? You said you were doing some buying, so... Yeah, I got a... Uh, I'm really happy with them. The Bringham buy, I got a SH Figure Arts Kamen Rider Zangetsu mm -hmm. figure, which is uh, pretty hard to get a hold of, especially over here. Um, that only cost me 20 quid. So I'm talking to Ben, Ben is helping out with the Bring and Buy. So what's been happening with the Bring and Buy at this event? Lots of people are coming in, looking and buying lots of manga. 
what particularly has been shifting? Uh, we've sold a near complete collection of, was it a complete collection of Ranma Half? Complete, complete Ranma Half collection, and we have a lot of bleach. A lot of bleach. We have a brick of bleach. Is bleach shifting, or...? We have sold some bleach. We've got a block of 40. Uh, we've Point. got Dragonhead bleach. Pokemon Armageddon set? Death Note. Yeah. Someone's getting rid of the complete Death Note. Yeah. It's two set... Well, it's almost two complete sets. Yeah. Uh, oh, actually, Nakitaku Japan as well. Yeah. The strangest. It's all, it's all okay, the strangest is it's definitely all, those. Yeah. <laughs> Some well, hugging pillows. Hugging pillows that could be Cutters. described as... Um, Raunchy. Raunchy. Dubious. <laughs> Dubious. Okay. Uh, at a convention, no. At least just the cases, not the pillows as well. So they yeah. They could put yeah. it in their bag and go. <laughs> They'd be on the trains with them. I'm going to hug this on the way home. It's my wife. It's highly selective, you know, people, different people want different things. But there's all, we've had all sorts from rare video games to rare books to just odd toys and stuff. Oh, yeah. Rare games, I would say. <laughs> pig blush. Pig purple, pig purple square pig. Uh, Japanese version of Knights into Dreams for the PlayStation 2. Multiple copies of Halo 3. Yep, a Benton Kytos for GameCube. And Suikoden. probably Suikoden or Suikoden. For fifty pounds, so some pretty rare and desirable items. Yes, rare, yes, desirable to the right person, definitely. As long as they come in and they have the money. The whole thing about the bring and buy is, you know, it's the animated version of a car boot sale. Yeah, you know, you bring in what you want, you bring in what you don't need anymore, and see what you can get for it. So how many people would you reckon have been through? How many people? A least, least, a couple of hundred people. From when we opened yesterday morning, 10, 10 o'clock, it took till 3 o'clock for everyone to cycle through the room. And we didn't, and we didn't have a queue outside. You had a, fight, a queue for five hours? Yeah. Yeah, people weren't necessarily queuing for that long, but there was a constant stream of people waiting to come in for that long. The average time seemed to be about 45 minutes to an hour for the start. So, I'm upstairs and I'm talking with Will. How is Will doing? Uh, Will's good. So, what have you got planned for this fine day? Um, probably going to pop down and uh, help take down some of the stuff that's going on in Albany and then sit in the bar for a bit. Uh, there's parties tonight, probably pop them along to the Q&A. Um, maybe, maybe a couple of other panels. Uh, the Q&A? Q &A? Uh, yeah, the convention committee are going to run a question and answer about uh, Amway Tribute. Uh, we mentioned at the uh, opening ceremony that it was an experiment, so uh, they've brought back an event that I got rid of uh, and to actually get some feedback from the attendees. Uh, while it's fresh in their minds about what they've enjoyed, what they think could have gone better. And uh, I, th I, th I think it's very courageous in the uh, yes minister sense to say. Um, but also <laughs> very, very good. Um, the main issue that we always, well there are two issues that we always handle. The first is that often you can't work out exactly what went wrong in a 30 second answer to a question that you're being asked before you've learned about the issue in the first mm. place. Uh, the other one was just finding committee timetabling. I've always taken the view that feedback on the day is either overly positive or overly negative. Right. Because people are, on a, people are either on a con high and it won't be for a few weeks until they actually say, well actually, you know what, this could have been done better. Mm. Or they're really, really, really annoyed about something and they haven't had time to sit down and think, well, okay, so what actually happened? What caused the problem? Uh, was this actually within the committee's control? Was it a venue issue? So other than the degrees, is there much of a difference in the oh, topics? Yeah, yeah, the, uh, the, I, I think the fandom's getting a lot, uh, a lot happier giving feedback. Uh, which is good, you know. For, for, for a lot of years, the, uh, the fandom literally never gave feedback apart from 
pleased when again you enjoy it, which of course is great. You, know, you, 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 want to hear, you always want to hear that, but it's also good to actually know what went wrong. Um, you know, specifics, what went wrong, what the committee can do to fix it. So, what stuff were you showing in the eighties? Oh, the uh, oh, the eighties AMB disco. Uh, well, actually, that came about. Uh, I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say if it's going out in the air, but uh, back in the days of yore, literally ten years ago. There was a bit of a there was a bit of a sea change in the way conventions had to handle uh, video programming. Uh, convention video programming had all been a bit of a grey area. Um, I don't ask, don't tell situation with the industry. Um, the industry didn't ask it was a video program and provided it wasn't something that was being licensed for distribution in English language. They didn't care. Uh, 2005, um, a large animation show that shall remain nameless which also serves as brokerage for many other large animation studios. I got wind of what was being shown at a different event, not one of the outcomes. Um, and there were very, very strong legal remonstrations made regarding what UK conventions would be allowed to do in the future in terms of showing material. And that led to a lot of negative feedback for UK conventions because not only could UK conventions not, not, uh, not show anything that wasn't licensed for English distribution, they couldn't show anything that wasn't licensed for UK distribution. And we're talking 2005, so UK distribution was still maybe seven series in a year, which isn't great for a video program, especially when it's material that the plant has already gone out and bought, and, you know, bought on DVD, or they're going to go and buy on DVD at the, at the uh, dealer. So it led to a lot of negative feedback about the video schedule. The AMV disco sort of was a, an attempt to preempt that a little because we could still get by under EU legislation, you know, uh, the, our, our analogue to fair use, under the venue's license to also play music. So we made sure we were using a codec where the, where the audio file was separate from the video file. The video file comes under snippets of uh, educational and the audio file comes under disco. So it was a bit of the uh, horse trade going on there. Um, but uh, people loved it. It was absolutely fantastic. First time we ran on the records 2006. And it, there's been one or two every Amazon since. So. The uh, changes and the um, restrictions on the screenings, do you reckon that's had a knock-on effect? Because like, from talking to other people, people used to come to conventions to watch the anime, and then a lot of people were saying, well, and then the internet came along and we got it all online. Do you think some of it might be knock-on of just the cut down and people got out of the habit of watching things at the event? Um, I think it was two things happening at the same time. Mm. I mean, uh, obviously with the advent of no longer needing to watch on nth generation mm. videotape uh, fans of, uh, you know, the fact you could download it, broadband became widely available. Mm. Uh, obviously people had got to the point where they'd already seen it and conventions were becoming more social anyway. Mm. Once you meant, once you made it so that the only things they could see were the things that were on DVD this year, that was basically the last nail in the coffin of convention video streams. Um, I mean, they're, they're still kept around because it's an anime convention. Mm. But you'll be lucky if you've got maybe ten people out of I think there's five hundred this weekend, um, and you might get ten or uh, fifteen in a video room. I I I think the legally mandated gopher in the room seems to be the, the main viewing number for this event. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, um, and that's not that. That's not just damage. That, that's everybody. Oh, yeah. As I said, there was also a sea change towards the idea of conventions as a social event. Uh, the demographic was changing. Con attendees were getting younger. 
um, the student demographic became very interested in anime, which it largely hadn't been previously, not to the point of, willing, not to the point of willingness to attend conventions. Mm-hmm. We've got to remember that uh, the jump between uh, I year 2003, which was 650 people, to uh, AMA 2004, which was nine months later, was an increase in attendance of 50%. And I mean, 2004 was about a thousand people all told. That was largely uh, the, the influx of uh, early 20s. You were bringing people in who were looking a bit less academically and more as an interest they showed in friends. So that was AMA Chibi 2015. Great event. It's well worth going to. Uh, the next AMA event is in 2016. I believe that's going to be one of their larger events. Keep an eye out on the amicon.org website for more details. So, what did we take away from that event? Well, number one, as you may or may not have picked up, uh, the venue itself didn't get that great a review from the people taking part. However, absolute hats off to the committee and all the gophering team for keeping things running despite some of the problems uh, that occurred. You can read up about that online. Second thing, once again, going past screening rooms, I saw a lot of rooms that were playing anime but didn't have anyone sitting in them other than the mandatory gopher. Biggest uh, query I've got about this is not so much why they're screening it when no one's viewing, but looking at it and actually thinking, how much of an impact is this? Because that's a lot of TVs and a lot of conventions that are just playing for no reason. From the mathematics and the information I've been able to gather online, you're looking at about 100 grams of carbon per anime screening going up in the air. I'm not claiming to be a huge environmentalist, but there's a lot of power being used when no one's watching it. I don't think that anime screening should be stopped if people, you know, if only a couple of people watching them, but I would put it to the uh, general organisational world out there that it's worth thinking about if there's no one watching it, maybe turning the telly off. Okay, third thing, a lot of crossover at the event, lots of um, reasonable amount of discussion on there about where, where the line should be drawn on things. The conclusion I'm coming towards is that an anime manga event is no longer a guarantee of the content to be found within, or indeed the fandom to be found within. I think it's becoming a, a lot more of a style and approach and a starting point. Obviously, the bulk of the content is going to be the Japanese anime manga stuff, but it's merely a stopping off point, so if you think an anime manga event isn't for you, give it a shot anyway. You're quite likely to find something you're into. Okay, next event I'm going to is the Cambridge Big Geek Meet, which is on the 2nd of May at the Q Club Cambridge. It's a small event, um, but I believe there are still spaces going for it. You can find it on Facebook by looking for Cambridge Big Geek Meet. Okay, so this podcast can be found at bit.ly bit.ly slash convention podcast bit.ly slash convention podcast If you enjoyed it, despite some of the technical problems we had from the demons that were infesting the building, obviously, and not from my own equipment having minor teething problems If you enjoyed it, please share it Please send people in the direction of it that bitly will be staying good no matter where we get rehosted, which at this rate, if we get onto more shows and if we get more feedback, I'll be doing some nice more hosting for it. I can be con- contacted on Twitter at Raggedy Man. So if you have a convention you think I should go to, a geek culture event you want plugged, or things you want to hear me talking to people about, then please let me know. I can also be emailed at raggedyman at gmail.com. Okay, so on to the thank yous then. First off, big thank you to Amicon for hosting a great event and for letting me record with my first ever press pass. Thank you very much. 
I would also like to thank the Sheffield Space Centre, Angel Cave, Teotoku, Lord Ashram, Charlotte, Gemma, Joe from Attacking News, Richard Fotogaku, Chloe, who unfortunately didn't hear because the aforementioned demons on the 10th floor ate the recording, Pouncy and Stagger, Luke May, Kaichi, Marshall, Reese, Michael Tan, Sam Denton, Ben from the Bring and Buy Stall, and William for taking part in this podcast. If you wish to take part in this podcast, let me know which event you're going to, and look out for the guy with the podcaster Talk To Me badge. Thank you for listening, and I hope to see you next time on the way to a convention.